Amen. Thank you. Praise. Can we give the praise team a hand? They did an awesome job. Amen. Taught them everything they know. Not me. Uh, I, I want to welcome you. I'm so glad that you're here today. Uh, for those that are watching online, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, this church is celebrating its 125th anniversary this year. Isn't that amazing? You know, and the great thing is, uh, how many business, I, I belong to a, a group on, on Facebook, on social media, that is, it's called Vintage Phoenix, because I grew up in, in the Phoenix area uh, for a time, and in California, and, and and they go back and they throw, do all these throwback pictures of way back when. Uh, and, and they say, do you remember this? Or do you remember that? Or, or do you remember this store or this restaurant? And the thing is, most of them are out of business. If you weren't there, you missed it. Because it's hard and difficult to sustain anything for 40, 50, 60 years generation after generation and yet this church has endured through great times and through challenges for 125 years and that is a testimony it's a testimony to God's goodness to God's faithfulness and it's a testimony to godly people that know him and today, I thought to help you understand a little bit about your rich heritage of this church, uh, I am going to invite a, a friend of mine up here and a friend of yours, and we're going to talk for a while. So, Sherry, would you come? There you are. Would you give Sherry Logue a hand? There you go. Well, Sherry, you can sit right there, and I'll sit right here. Okay, so... You don't know it, but one of my favorite pictures, I took it two years ago, and I watch it often, and it's a picture of you and your great-granddaughter sweeping off the front side. Yeah, you taught your children, you taught your grandchildren, and now you're teaching your great-grandchildren. She was great-great. Great-great. There we go. There we go. Thank you, Sam. You're going to have to put that up closer if I can hear you. Okay. Can yeah, you your great-great-granddaughter, mm -hmm. How to Serve the Lord. And I just find that amazing. So how long have you been a member of this church? Since 1969. Wow, When I moved years. to Florida. Mm -hmm. So you just moved here when you were two. <laughs> right. So, okay, so now you, know, you moved here to Florida with your husband, but let's go back a little bit before that. Okay. Uh, I know you were born in Minnesota, mm -hmm. St. Paul. Yep. I have a daughter that was born in St. Paul. Oh. Uh, so you moved and you went to Bible College, right? Yes. Okay, now tell me about that. Tacoma Falls Bible College. Uh, my mother went there way, way back. Yeah. And. Um, I always wanted to go, and a friend of our family said if I would go, she would pay my way. Wow. So I went and loved it. God was there. Well, you know, the, the founder, R.A. Forrest, was one of the, I think, the first or, or the second pastor of First Alliance. Right. And he left here in, gosh, I, I'm trying to remember what uh, year. Yeah. He went up, I think, 1907 or something and started yeah. Dakota Falls Bible yeah. College. And I got to meet him one time. Um, oh. My first trip to Florida 
okay. mom and dad stopped by there, and we went up, and I got to meet him. Wow, one, one of the uh, founders. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now, you met somebody when you were there, right? Uh, yes, when I was in college, yes, I did. Okay. Ray McMahon. Okay. And um, I fell in love. Okay. And we wanted to go as missionaries under the alliance. What? No, do you have a certain, was there a particular place you wanted to go? Africa. You, want, you and your husband were planning on becoming missionaries to Africa. Yes. Okay, and what, what happened? Well, we applied, but he had, didn't get accepted. The Lord knew okay. in his wisdom that that wouldn't be right. Um, probably because of his background, he had been in jail. And as a young Christian, I believe that God, when he saves you, he, he makes a new creature from you. Mm-hmm. But he had problems throughout his life. Okay. So God kept us here. Well, that had to be uh, devastating, though, have your heart and your passion set on going yep. and then not. So then you moved down here in 69. Mm-hmm. Then you guys had three sons? Yes. Okay. We had two when I moved, and then I had a third son a year okay. later. Okay, so you'd been down here a year, so this is 1970, 71. Mm-hmm. You're, you're expecting your third child, right. Stephen? Stephen. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, what, what happened there with your husband? Well, um, he left me. <laughs> I was five months pregnant, and um, he decided to leave and take everything, and so... Um, I was left with two boys and some debt for rent, et cetera, but um, now, do you, God Do you took have them. a career? Do you <laughs> have anything? I was working when he left. I had one more week. I was working at dry cleaners, and okay. I had one more week to work, and then she didn't want me to work anymore because I was expecting, so then I was out of a job and mm. had to go on welfare for a while. How did you, how did your heart feel during that time? Broken. (laughs) Did you ever think about giving up on God? Oh, no, that that drew me closer. That pushed me into his arms more. Mm. And God is always faithful. We may not get what we asked for because I wanted him to come back. And he never did, but God bless me with Barnell later a number of years later yes, that I, yes. I didn't expect so but it um, was a, a, but, a faithful uh, child of God that was right here in the church and you guys met in church we met here in church yes yep. <laughs> yeah so if you're looking for a good spouse church is a good church place. is a good place to find <laughs> it <laughs> actually we met in the old church before this one was oh, okay down on Anderson and Delaney yeah yep. Well, tell us about, um, now I never got to meet Stephen. What happened when Stephen was five? You, you were still single well, with three yeah, kids. Yeah, I was single with three kids. And my mom and dad had come down and were staying with me. Okay. And uh, Stephen was old enough to go to kindergarten, so he thought he was a big boy. Because uh-huh. we had to walk to the bus. And uh, so he was playing. I was working. He was playing outside, and I came home and saw him and I went in to change and came out to go get him 
And he had stopped playing on one side of the house and had gone up to Crystal Lake to play with his boyfriend. And his little boyfriend had been called into the house, so he went next door, which was right next to the busy road. And from what the kids said, someone threw a toy out in the yard, out in the street, and he went to get it. Up until then, he was very shy of streets. He was afraid of them, but since he was big enough to walk to the bus, he thought he was big enough, to, I guess, to go out and get that toy. Mm. And the car hit him. Uh, they kept him alive for eight days. And um, then God took him home. Now, that's, that's something that most parents have never experienced and never yeah. want to experience. Yeah. But within a matter of five, five and a half years, you have your husband leave you, and then you lose your baby. Yep. Did you ever feel like God had given up on you? No. Never. Never. What kept you going? I think a lot of it was a training. My parents were Christians, and my father was a minister, and... and God had always worked and provided for them for everything. And I knew that he would take care of me. And it was the hardest thing I'd ever gone through. But God gave me the ability to tell the man who hit him that I forgave him. Mm. Uh, he, had, he was devastated. Right. And... Um, came by the house to bring me flowers and I went out to their car and, and later they said that that helped him to live with himself because I was able to forgive. So you were able to show grace mm -hmm. and mercy. Yeah. Now you met I, I want to I talk about your mom and dad in a minute. Okay. But I, I want to talk about Barnell because you met a, a wonderful man of God here. Yes I did. And I'm sure that was a a match made in heaven and the whole church was rejoicing trying to, <laughs> trying to make yes. matchmakers, weren't they? Yes, they were. They Churches were, are really good yeah. at that, aren't they? Actually, they did a good job. <laughs> I'm very thankful for all their prayers yes. and coaxing him to, when are you going to marry that girl? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So now there was a time when you guys were married that Barnell had cancer, had mm -hmm. a big uh, tumor. On his tumor. Mm -hmm. And he'd gone to the doctor, and tell, tell us about that. Okay, well, he it started out a small lump, and I thought, we kind of thought it was just because he was driving a tractor and always turning and leaning on that seat. And it started getting bigger and bigger, and then it was painful. So we went to the doctor, and it turned out to be a tumor that had gone through three of his ribs, mm. and he was 17... He was 79 at the time, or 80, 80. And they said a 40-year-old couldn't survive surgery, uh, much less an 80-year-old. So um, actually, when after they did the biopsy and told me that, I said, I just felt joy in my heart because I knew, all right, God's time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all going to be glory to God, not anybody else, because... Nobody else could do it. So you said, now, it was real noticeable. Oh, you could everybody see it. in church, and I can have some people here that have seen it, uh, could see it through his suit coat. And it um, protruded. You could see a big bump on his back. 
and um, there was a lot of pain with it for him. Well, tell me about the day that you noticed uh, it wasn't there. Well, he was going to have some um, chemo, and then followed by radiation, and um, there was a small chance of survival, I think less than 12%, and um, <clears throat> we went for his first chemo, and then the next, that was on a Friday, and then Saturday, the kids were celebrating his birthday. And I saw him walking around, and I thought, wow, I'm amazed that after having chemo, he feels that good, and he can walk around. And when he turned around, I looked at his back, and it was flat. And I thought, chemo doesn't work that fast. No. No. And... Um, I went up and I touched his back and it was completely gone and all the pain was gone and um, so I said look at your dad's back you know <laughs> it's, it's flat so then the week later uh, we had to go to the doctor because he had shingles on his back probably due to the chemo and uh, I was going to tease the doctor to see how fast I should expect a change but he didn't give me a chance. He said, let me look at your tumor. And he walked around behind him. And he exclaimed, and you could hear him all over the whole office, oh, my gosh. It was gone. And the doctor had never seen anything like that. And he used to tell people, his patients, he said, would tell them about that testimony. And God heals. Yeah. God Amen. Heals. Yep. And I wrote a, um, the Alliance Witness was having a, articles about healing so I wrote my pastor said write an article so I did they didn't choose it but I did take it to the doctor right. and I said would you like a copy of this and he said sure so when we went back the next time <laughs> he says I asked one of the nurses about it and she said oh yeah we all had to read it <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so now you grew. Isn't that a great testimony? That yeah, the Lord is, yeah. I had never seen a miracle. Miracle. I've heard of them because my mother was healed of TB, right. and um, so I've heard of many, many miracles, but I'd never actually seen one. And I called my uncle in Africa right. and asked him. You know, told him about it, and I, I knew he had seen miracles. Right. You know, with his yes. own eyes. And um, so he said, all I can tell you is stand flat-footed on the Word of God. And I tell you, that was the best advice because I had promises out of God's Word and I pictured myself standing flat-footed on them, not moving, trusting the Word, not anything else. Amen. I love that. <laughs> now, you mentioned earlier that you said that you were, you were raised in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. Your dad was a pastor. Now, you started off in, in St. Paul, and you said you had a house there, but he was called into ministry, and there's six kids, right? Right. Okay, where are you in the... I'm the youngest. You're the young, you're the baby. I'm the uh, baby. That explains a lot. Um, uh, all right, so you had, so there's, there's six kids, your, your mom and dad, your, your dad is in ministry, and then he gets a call to go where? To a little church in southern Illinois, I mean southern Minnesota, a little farming community, and um, we had to pump our water, and we had an outhouse. It wasn't full of conveniences, but God led him there, and he went. And it was kind of like his church in St. Paul, or Minneapolis, sent him 
basically. You know, they prayed him there, and God uh, would use the farmers. They would send us live chickens on the weekend, and he'd have to take care of them. So that was his, <laughs> that was his salary. That was his salary, yeah. Live chickens and produce. Yep, yep, and God, I don't know if it was there that they um, offered him the Wednesday night offering. I don't know if you know most churches, especially if they're real tiny. The Wednesday night offering wasn't going to be very big, but he didn't care. He knew God would take care of him, and God always did. Yeah. Now, now, tell me, you know, they gave, your parents gave up house and everything, was raising yeah, they gave six the kids house. on faith. Yep. Tell us about the lady that, uh, that was used by the Lord. Well, uh, Daddy went to a convention and met a man who was a pastor of a little church in Illinois, Downers Grove, Illinois, and um, Arnold Johnson. And he said, um, he met Daddy, and he said, well, my brother was healed in F.F. F. Bosworth's meetings. He had a leg that was two inches shorter than the other leg, and God healed him. And because God did that, I went in to become a preacher. And so he had this little church and asked Daddy if he would come and candidate and would come to that church. Okay. So Daddy said, yes. Well, we don't have a parsonage. Well, that's all right. God will provide. And so my brother was staying in Wheaton with my aunt, and we were kind of all farmed out to different houses. And... Um, this lady that owned her the, my aunt's house found out that we needed a place to live. And so she liked my brother, and she bought a house in Downers Grove right near, close to the church, and two-story house with indoor plumbing. And God provided graciously. And just said, you can stay in it as long as you want. Yep, and they were there eight years before he moved to Florida. Now, she kept Florida. the title. Uh, why did she keep the title of the house? She wanted to pay the ta taxes. She didn't want them to have to pay anything, so she kept the title. So your mom and dad were people of faith. And, and, yes. And we're going to talk about your mom in a minute being healed. Okay. But, uh, now, your, your dad was influenced by your grandfather on your mother's right. side, yeah. F. F. Bosworth. Yes. Tell me a little bit about him. About my dad about or your the grandfather. By my grandfather. Okay. Yes. Well he had been a pastor of a church in Dallas. Well f from his youth? Well yeah, you can you can uh, well tell you you know he was Tell me about him and, and B.B., how they, they had been pastors for a while, right. but they read in the Word of God about healing, and, and what, right. what was their response? They said that, my grandfather said, well, it's in the Bible, so we have to teach it. We just, you know, well, what if nobody's healed? Well, we can't help that. If it's in the Bible, i got to teach it. God does did. the healing, yeah. Yeah, and they no. taught it. I read a story about your, your grandfather. One day I came out with that, that big encyclopedia. Oh, yeah. And your grandfather's in it. So I, I started reading some stories about your grandfather, and he was one of the founders of, of, of um, the precursors to the Assembly of God and to the, and to the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Right. Uh, but I was reading once where, and I forget the town that they were in, but there was a school for the deaf. Right. Um... Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, and right. so, the, so the, the, the guy that was running the school for the death brought all of the kids to, to the meeting. What happened? 
there were 72 and during those meetings all 72 were healed and they closed the place down because closed they didn't the, need the school it school down because all of the students were able to hear yep wow yeah i think from what i remember hearing the first person that was healed actually didn't have anything in his ear to hear with okay. and god healed him well if and god then, can Spit on the ground and make eyeballs. He yeah. can do that yes, too. Yes, yes, he can. <laughs> There's nothing. Yes, he can. Nothing he can't do. Now, tell me about the time he was down in Texas, because this really speaks about your grandfather's character. And this was back, way back. I, I'm assuming. 1911. 1911, and he's in a small town in Texas, and he's preaching to the white congregation on one side, and then they have the black congregation on the other. Uh, tell me, tell me what happened. It started out, I believe, he was preaching to the black, okay. and the whites came and okay. wanted to uh, hear it, and then they wanted him to come back and preach, so he went back and preached again, and then um, after preaching to the black and the white together, he was on his way to the train station to leave, and um, a man came up with gun and was going to kill him because he was so furious that he would do that. And that, he would, that, he would that he would preach. Preach to the blacks. To the blacks. And um, so he was intent on killing them, and my grandfather said, well, can I say something before you kill me? And so he listened to him, and so then he said, um, you know, if you shoot me, I'm going to, go be with the Lord, so that's better for me. But, so if I die, I'm with the Lord, and if I live, I'm here. And so the man said, well, all right, you go and get on the train and get out of town. So that's what Grandpa was doing. He had a suitcase, and he was heading for the train station, and then a mob came up, and they had cut the oar, so they had to clubs for the hand, from the handles and they beat him mm. from his neck to his knees on his back and you know would knock him to the ground spit on him mm. treat him horribly they were just furious with him and then um, they wouldn't let him get on the train they made him carry his suitcase and walk to the next town which was about eight or nine miles away and what was his response his response was kind of like Christ's father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he, he forgave them in his heart. He carried no bitterness. And God touched his body. And even though it was mangled and you could almost see the bones in his back, um, he said he had no pain while he was walking. One wrist was uh, cracked or broken. But he carried his suitcase and, and just um, thanked God that he could suffer a little bit like Christ did. Mm. Powerful. Yeah. The, the perspective of life that I see in you, and it was in your parents and in your grandparents. Your grandfather, though, before all, God used him in healing and, and mm -hmm. used him in and everything else, uh, 
he had consumption consumption right. is uh, tb tb so tell us about that he you know he came down to see his parents yeah he was a young young man in nebraska okay and um he had um kept getting worse he had actually helped some doctor he held the light or something so this doctor could do some surgery and it was very hot in that room and when he left he walked out and it was freezing cold and so he got a cough and it just gradually got worse and turned into um, TB and um, so he as he was getting worse he thought well his parents had moved to Fitzgerald Georgia and so he thought well I'm going to go see my parents before I die. And so he won a, a ticket, actually. He won it and, because the place he was working was going out of business, and they rewarded him that way. Okay. So he uh, took the train and uh, went to Fitzgerald, Georgia. Okay, and while he was there saying his goodbyes to his parents, this is before any of his ministry ever took mm -hmm. off, uh, there was a lady, a lady yes. came down, and sent by A.B. Simpson, right, mm -hmm. and to, and this is about what year? Um, Turn of century or so? Yeah, mm-hmm, okay. yeah. And which, is, which is amazing to me, because A.B. Simpson, even at the turn of the century, was empowering women, which, mm -hmm. is, which is incredible. Uh, so I sent her down to look at the churches and organize, and she had a role to play in your, in your grandfather's life. Yes. My grandfather met her and asked her to pray for him. She had a prayer ministry, and she traveled to different churches, you know, okay. kind of a circuit type. Her name was Maddie. Maddie. Right? Mm -hmm. okay. And uh, she said she would pray for him, but, you know, you can't just lay there. If I pray for you, you got to get up and... Um, do something, you know, don't just lay okay, there no, and die. Okay, now, wait a minute. The, she said, I'll pray for you if, if you're willing to get up. If you get up, I'm not, if you don't get, aren't willing, I'm not going to pray yeah, for right, you. Yeah, right, right. I like that. Yeah. So he said, okay, he'll get up. And so she prayed for him and God healed him. And then he went on to do this, yeah. have this amazing ministry and yeah. had a, a great impact on a lot of Christian denominations. And yes. Christians. Something it, that I found out that was, that's interesting. We, we both found it out, yes. what, what, two weeks ago? The lady that, that prayed for him, uh -huh. do you want to tell him who, to, who it is? You can tell him. Okay. Well, we, could ask well, some actually, we could ask some fellow out in the audience yeah, to tell yeah, us. Yeah, it it's Sam Hughes' great, great aunt. <laughs> and we just found that out. <laughs> yeah. So who, you never know, if you pray for someone, who would think that they would end up being used of the Lord like that. So you got to be faithful. The obedience yep. and the one. So all mm. of that would happen because of Maddie that mm -hmm. spoke faith yep. to him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now your mom, tell me about your mom, and then, then I'll let you. Your mom was healed of tuberculosis as well, right? Yes, when back when everybody had TB and had the flu and um, her mother had it and she had it. They were both in the hospital at the same time. Her mother died with TB um, from the results 
and my mother couldn't go to her own mother's funeral because she couldn't lift up her head at that time without hemorrhaging. Mm-hmm. And um, God was working in, with Grandpa's ministry by then and right. um, adding prayer and healing. And so he told her, my mother, that if you um, want to be healed, God will heal you if you come and are prayed for. And Mom had been in the hospital for 22 months before she left to be prayed for. And how long of a journey? You know, I don't know how far. It would have been in Texas somewhere because Mother was in Texas. Okay. And um, so she went to the meetings, and the doctors did not want her to leave. They said she'll never survive, you know, and they were absolutely sure of that. And um, she went, and Grandpa wasn't even the one that prayed for her. One of, one of the other pastors who was involved in the meetings prayed for her, and she was healed. And um, so God is faithful. And one thing Grandpa in his meetings, he didn't want people to think that he was the healer, you know, that it's God that is a healer. And um, so whoever came up the next in line went to the next preacher rather than everyone going to him. He would take his turn, but um, everyone that was involved in the meetings got to pray for the people. And watch God do the work. And watch God do the work, yep. God is the one. All these songs we sang this morning were so appropriate. So, you just celebrated a a milestone birthday. Yes, I did. 80 years. (laughs) And I know I have asked you, have you ever known God to let you down? You said no. If there was one bit of advice that you could give to this church and those that are watching online, what would it be? God never fails. So the closer you get to him, the more you see and the more you can count on him. And his word is true. He doesn't tell a lie. And I just love that. Every time I read it, I tell you the truth. And when he tells you the truth, you can trust it because he won't leave you. Doesn't mean everything's easy. (laughs) You might go through really hard times, but he's there with you and you know it. You know it. And you know God's people are praying for you too. Sherry, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. He does. I'll help you there. ask our praise team to come. Was that amazing? Inspire faith? Paul Paul wrote in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I I want to look at two little verses real quick uh, in closing, because I I believe he was sharing the sentiment about a visual perspective of, uh, of how we should live and how we should walk in relationship with God. Uh, if you would turn to that scripture, please. And this is, this is what Paul said. 
For we know, I love that, we know. We know that if this earthly tent, he's speaking about this body, we live in is destroyed. If for something, something happens, we just get older, or something happens to this body, we know we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. I love how he said, for we know. We know it. I know that I know that I know that I am saved. I have been redeemed. And when that trumpet sounds, I am going to be with him. And this mortality is going to be changed to immortality. We know it. It's a perspective of mind and heart. That's where I'm at. Then he goes on to say this. Meanwhile... We know this, and here's our perspective. But meanwhile, while we're in this life, we groan. That word groan is really interesting. It's like a big sigh of, man, it's going to be amazing there. But right now, and here's the perspective that he is saying, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. We're waiting for that time. We're looking for that time. And it's not, it's not that, that we want to get shed of our mortality. It's that we want our mortality to be changed into immortality. It has nothing to do with carnality. It has to do with life because we are created beings to live in houses. And, and God has promised us an eternal house. But while we are here, we are to look at this life with a sigh <sighs> to not get so caught up in everything that goes on in this life that we think this is it because this life is here today and gone tomorrow all of those amazing people that, that Sherry talked about her grandparents, her parents, her uncle they're all gone And the life that they lived forged for us an opportunity to be able to be here and to know Christ as we know him. And I wonder, I just wonder sometimes if, if, if our perspective could be a little bit more like those founding fathers, those founding mothers of the Christian faith that we could set our eyes on what is to come and we could look at this life and say, you know, there, there's so many things that God has done that are so amazing. But when I look at life and I look at people that need the Lord, it just causes me to sigh. It's a perspective of heart. It's a perspective of mind. Do you want to serve the Lord and be passionate and I've noticed that in every single one of her family members they had eternal perspective if I could challenge you today I would, I would challenge you to be the same way love the Lord, enjoy life don't allow this life to be your, your sole interest allow this to be secondary tertiary farther down the list and allow that which is to come to be your guiding light and hope would you stand with me? Sherry, thank you so much for blessing us. Father, we thank you today. For